Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Father, we thank you that it's your word that changes us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. Prepare our hearts to receive what you want to say today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to pick up in verse 7 in the words of Apostle Paul. I love this bit of Scripture. It's one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. And uh, I want us to just read this together. From verse 7, we're going to go right through to 21. And he says this, I became a servant, says Paul, of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was passed for ages past, was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Amen. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him, verse 12, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And then verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of God. Wow. I want that. Now, verse 20, one of the most famous fridge magnets today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That includes yours forever and ever. Amen. Wow, what a prayer. And we know that Paul had revelation to pray those kind of prayers. You can pray those kind of prayers and put your finger in the air and guess. But Paul had revelation of who Christ was to understand that when he prayed for generations to come... Of what you would obtain if you press in. Amen. 
I believe today that God wants to speak to us and His Spirit has already been speaking through the worship and an amazing time of worship this morning because I really believe that God wants to declare His greatness today in this place. Amen? I don't know about you sometimes, but I know I sing that God's great and I sing all these songs about Him being amazing, He's big, He's great, but sometimes I sing and I think I feel so small and feel so weak. The title of my message today is this. Living off the scale. Living off the scale. I don't know about you today. You're probably thinking, I'm, I'm finding it hard to just live within my boundaries. But I believe that God has called you and me to live beyond the scale, beyond the measure, beyond what we think is possible. Amen? He wants to, you to live a life that's beyond the limits of where you are. I don't know if you're happy with where you are in your Christian faith or you've said, and we talked about it last week, some of the problems that happen in our faith and looked at Jesus in the desert, the test that he had from the enemy. And sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves happy and content with where we are. Paul said, I'm content, but actually it wasn't referring to being content with your position. God wants you to advance in the kingdom of God. We've got to be content with what we have. Not He's talking about material things. But you cannot be content with your position because God wants to stretch you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love when everyone came out today that there are people speaking here who've probably not spoke before on a mic. And by the way, they did amazing because you can see that God is doing something in them. There is a birthing. There is something new. There is a stretching going on inside their hearts. It might be the early days, but I'm telling you, if you're thinking, oh, if, if that's it, God is going to do something amazing. And not just through them, through you. Living off the scale. God desires that you do immeasurably more than where you are. Hallelujah. You see, I, I, I'm, while Emma's not here, I can say this story. Safe, unless she's listening now. Live in Iraq. But uh, years ago when we, we, we moved into a house and one of the things, one of the things, never ask Emma to measure something. I, I made this big mistake and I sent her to a, a curtain shop to get some curtains and I, got, I gave her the tape measure, big mistake. And uh, how many of you know on a tape measure normally it says the limit of where it'll go. Generally it's about five meters on some. And it'll say, I've got a five meters. You, you pull and you get to five meters and you realize you're at five meters, not because you're looking at the thing, because it stops. And the limit on the measuring tape is five meters. And uh, she went to get these curtains in Cambridge. And uh, she, she came, she, she came back. She said, I filled the form in, the things that we need, the measurements. They called us up a few days later and said, would you mind coming back to the store? Because we're a little bit confused with what you wrote on your form. Because the measurements for your requirements for your curtains are... The size of a football pitch. Now, I don't know how much that would cost us, but I realized that she ain't very good with measurements. She's good at a lot of other things, but we're, some things we're not always good at. There's a lot of things I'm not good at. I found that out this week while she's been away. God, please help me. Let me live off the scale. Listen. Some of us sometimes, we have a limit on our lives like a measuring tape. We limit ourselves. Why? Because we measure for the wrong thing. 
You see, if you understand who God is, you will change the way you measure yourself. When you try to measure yourself based on other people, what people think about you, you the things in life, what you have in your bank account, what you've achieved in life, if you try to measure off those things, it's only going to last so long. But God wants you to measure your life based on Him. Everything always goes back to Him because His foundation is the thing that will show you who you are. You see, God wants you to use a different measuring system. He doesn't want you to measure it against people. Lots of us, we measure, am I as good as that Christian? They seem a lot more spiritual than me. Have you seen the way they prophesy? You know, I just wish I could be like them. And we start to measure ourselves, position ourselves to someone else in the church. Let me tell you today, stop it. Because God wants to do something unique for you. You see, I ain't in Iraq at the moment and I'm not doing what they're doing. But I believe God has called them to do that. And I don't want to measure myself against what they're doing because I know God has called me to something else. We're all in this together, guys. And some of us in here are going to do things and you're going to be like, Oh, I want to do that. But listen, God is going to call you uniquely in His time to do something for Him. Stop measuring yourself against someone else. What is the measurement that God wants us to understand? I'll tell you what it is. It all comes down to His love. Everything is summed up in His love for you. By the way, if you don't think that anyone loves you today, God loves you more than any person in this world. His love for you is the deepest thing. It goes beyond human knowledge. It's amazing. When we sang today and we worshipped Jesus, oh, I just, I loved it because we were singing of how great he is. This is what Paul said. He says, I want you to grasp something. May you have the power, he said, verse 18 of Ephesians 3, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. Listen, if you know some professors, and excuse the professors in the room if you're here, but if you know some people and you're put off and you measure yourself of what they know in, in this city, and you think, I'm not as intelligent as them. Listen, what God says is here, through Paul, he says that you don't have to have knowledge to measure yourself. Because his love goes beyond human knowledge. You can't study it. You can't study love. It's his language. He speaks to you today in love. You can't find it in a textbook. You find it in his heart for you. He says, may you have the power to grasp, Paul says. In the New King James Version, it says, may be able to comprehend and LT to understand. Some of us forget we don't understand God's 
love for us. A guy called Vince Lombardi is an NFL, an ex-NFL, he's dead now, um, coach. He once said this, he said, the measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. Now, I want to ask you today, what, have you, what do you believe you have in God? Because I know that he loves me. And the thing is today, I want to measure that on the basis and foundation that God loves me, his immeasurable love for me, puts me in a position that God can do anything with me. But some of us don't understand what we have. And we begin to measure ourselves to other things. How do you measure God? How do you measure yourself today? Romans 12, 3, Paul says this, be honest in the New Living Translation. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So what he says is this, you've got to measure yourself. In other words, you have got to do this. In fact, the Bible, Paul talks about examining yourself. It's good to examine yourself, examine where you are. You don't just become a Christian and leave it and think, I'm going to go into automatic pilot mode and just let everything, just, just see what happens. God calls you to examine yourself, measure yourself, but not measure yourself by the world's standards. You measure yourselves by the faith he's given you to believe in his love for you, to believe that he has forgiven you of all your sins and he rescues your life from the pit and satisfies your desires with good things. Hallelujah. That's where you measure yourself. But I'm going to tell you something. Evaluation that he talks about in Romans 12, it requires two things. It requires for you to have honesty in your flesh. To be honest with the fact that you fail. You see, to evaluate yourself doesn't say, well, grace is just sufficient, so I just don't have to worry about sin. I'm just going to forget about it and just live my life doing what I like. And God's got it covered. No, evaluation requires you and me to say, I'm going to be honest with the failings of my flesh, but believe in the Spirit of God. That I am alive in Christ because I'm choosing to live by the Spirit. I'm not choosing to live by the measurement of my flesh. See, where you were last week when you met your failures and you said those things that you didn't want to say, and we all do it sometimes. Sometimes we get to the next week and we say, I can't move on because I measure myself from last week. You have to be honest with last week, but turn to God. Be honest with the flesh. We, when we grasp God's love, we become unrestricted in what we can do. There is no cap on what's possible in God. See, Apostle Paul, he talks a lot about it. I love reading his writings. But he talks a lot about his, what he's doing and preaching and all these amazing things. I want to tell you something. When Paul got knocked off, to, off his horse, and he gets blind, and he has this amazing encounter with Jesus Christ. He had no plan, career plan, to become famous. Paul did not plan to become famous. And by the way, he's famous. We'd all love to have a chat with Paul and have a Costa coffee. I know I would. He's famous. Why? He's not famous because he's on a stage. He's not famous because he's in lights. He's not famous because of that. He's famous because he declared the grace of God. That's why he's famous. 
He didn't have a missionary career plan. He didn't say, I've got a plan to do this. I I remember in secondary school, I don't know if they still do this, it seems such a long time ago, but secondary school, they called us in one day. We used to have these career advice sessions. And I went into a room and I I remember them saying, what do you want to do with your life? And I thought, I've got no idea. I don't like PE. I'm not very good at history. I'm not very good at geography. In fact, I'm not very good at anything other than drawing. And I didn't know what to do. So I flicked, they give me this big, huge book. And I flicked through the book, trying to find a job. And in this book, it told you, it told you what the job, potentially the salary you get, if you did this, and then you can move up to this level. So I'm looking in this book, and I thought, well, I want to be a designer. They look like they've got a good salary. And so I want to do this. And I'm working out, and this book told you what you'd need to do to get to where you want to be. It said you're going to have to do this bit of education, then you need this qualification to get to here. And so I knew a plan to where I wanted to go. Paul did not have a plan. He did not plan. God's love and his grace positioned him to be the person he was going to become. You see, listen today, you don't have to have some plan in your mind. Some of you are thinking, how am I going to get to where God wants me to get? How am I going to do this? How am I going to afford to go to college? Some of you need to know today the Spirit of the Lord says this. You don't need that. You're going to want it and there's going to be ways you're going to find that God builds you. But God is going to lead you into where He wants to take you. Hallelujah. You see, Paul says this. Because, by the way, we all want to become something. What do you want to become? Paul says this, what we've just read. Ephesians 3, verse 7. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel. How? By the gift of God's grace. Given me through the working of his power. Do you know what? The qualification you need is his grace. When you can't do it yourself, when you don't think you match up to what is required to be the thing that God wants you to be, You just need to understand His immeasurable love and His grace for you. It's the thing that's going to position you. See, Paul's measure was based on God's love and faith for justification of his sins. He understood that and he speaks a lot over it. But do you know something? The devil, we talked about him last week. He's a nasty character, but we know that we love God and he is with us. But the devil is always up against you. We said last week he's always up against an opportune time to find you again. And the devil wants you to start looking at your, the approval of others and building your measurements based on other people. Listen to me, it's satanic. If you begin to try and achieve based on other people, you're in the wrong place. You need to shift your view and start to not look at others, but to look at who God says you are. Paul said this in Galatians 1 verse 10. He clearly states this. Am I, he says, speaking of himself, now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Wow. In other words, I ain't trying to please people to get where I'm going to go. I would never be his servant if I was. 
I want to tell you today that one of the biggest, biggest problems, and the devil uses this in our lives, is people approval. Approving, getting that approval from someone. I'm going to move up the ladder. If they see what I can do, if they see this, then God is going to shift me. I'm going to position myself right here where they can see me achieve. In fact, I'm going to get a little bit high. I'm going to make sure they can see me what I'm doing. Because if they see me, people are going to position me higher. And that's my measurement. I know where I'm going to go. I know I'm going to be a preacher. I know I'm going to do this. I know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to let people see my gift. Stop trying to look for people approval. Why? Because you will move far quicker into your destiny if you seek God's approval. Not people. The enemy wants to get you in that place. So that you think, to live my life off the scale to where I want to be, I'm going to just try and impress a few people. People approval is not the way. I put here that if you measure your faith by the approval from others, you will always limit the full measure of what you can be in Christ. Number one today, a few points just to bring to you. Number one is this, God's measure, not your measure, the measure of his love, what he is for you. God's measure increases our greatness. Paul knew his weakness. Emma's weakness is she can't, she can't measure curtains. You've all got weaknesses. I've got weaknesses. Weaknesses. Weaknesses when... Steve preached in Malta and he was sick. Weaknesses. Weaknesses. Sometimes we've got to acknowledge our weaknesses. And one of the things is this. If we want to become great, we've got to stop staying in that fleshly view of ourselves. You see, I love this. Paul says this in Ephesians 3 verse 8. He starts off with this. He says the word, although. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. In other words, Paul has this pretty low view of himself. Now, I don't want you to leave here and think, do you know what? I need to start looking down on myself in self-pity of who I am. And that's the thing that God's going to do. You see, humility is about lowering ourselves so that God can become higher. But actually, what you've got to do is see in the flesh what you aren't, but in the spirit what God is going to do. You see what he says? He says, although I am the least... Although I am incapable, although I don't have the qualifications, although my confidence is weak, although all these things are weak inside of me, and I on paper do not look like the person for the job, I'm a preacher. Did you see that? He says, although I am weak. One place in the, in the Bible he says he came with fear and trembling. Although I'm weak, although I'm this, although the statistics say about me, the tests say about me for this kind of role, it does not tell him he's a preacher. But he says, I am a preacher to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. 
You don't need people to approve. You need God to approve. In spite of the true measure of himself in the flesh, he says, I'm a preacher of Christ's riches. In other words, there's an ability to see that I am weak, but in him, I can accomplish everything through him. You see, some, in, some of you in this room right now, I believe the enemy has been telling you to stay measured in your flesh. I can't do this. I can't do that. And the word I can't, my teachers used to tell me there's no such word as can't. I used to think, well, I'll have a little debate with you about that because I can't do it. I mean, I remember being in, 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 in junior school and I remember being cr- crying at school because I couldn't mix the color burgundy red for Christmas to paint Father Christmas. The teacher kept coming around saying, that is not burgundy red. I said, I can't mix the color. You never believe I was a designer later on. It's amazing what computers do for you. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Some of you have said in your hearts, I can't. I can't do it. Do you know what? The Spirit of God is here today and He wants to tell you, you can Do this. You can be the preacher. You can be the teacher. You can be the evangelist. You can be the worship leader. You can. You can. You can. You can. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. I never planned to preach here. I never planned to do this role. I never planned to come and bring the word of God every week to you. I didn't plan that. I planned something very different. But Jesus, by his spirit, got hold of me, changed me, and made me realize that I can't do it in myself. Listen to me today. I really believe the spirit of God wants to do something right now. There are people right now, and I want you to stand when I say this. There are people in this room who want to be preachers. There are people in this room who want to teach the Word of God. There are people in this room who want to be a worship leader. There are people in this room who want to be an evangelist. And you've been in a season where the enemy said, you ain't good enough. You don't fulfill the criteria of those people out there. But God says something different today. I want you to stand right now. If you, even if you've preached in the past and you've preached the word of God and you felt limited, stand right now, wherever you are in this room. If in your heart there are things that you know you want to do for God, stand right now. Wherever you are, whatever it is, stand. The specific roles. Holy Spirit, you know everyone's heart in this room right now. Jesus. And God, I pray right now that you will begin to help them understand that there is a way to do this. God, I thank you for every person stood. There are preachers and teachers, evangelists in this room that will go to nations. There are pastors in this room that are going to plant churches. There are people here with potential. And I take authority right now over what the enemies try to tell you. 
Speak it over your life now that you will walk into destiny. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to take authority over those fears and worries that have put you in a place where you feel restricted and not the ability to do what you want to do for Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for a fresh recalibration of the measuring system. That God, we will come back to your love, to who you are, our first love. Recalibrate your people, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, birth fresh dreams again. Reignite dreams in this room right now. Reignite dreams in this room now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. If you'd like to take your seats. God is good. See, Paul says, I'm not ignoring my weaknesses, but I'm empowered by his greatness. The great I am. It says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, he says this, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know if you've seen this before, but Paul says this, I delight in insults. I delight in persecutions. I delight in hardships and difficulties. I don't know about you, but have you been insulted recently? That's put you in a different measuring system because people didn't approve of you. Have you received any insults that's changed your system of measuring? Because I'm telling you something, I find something powerful here in the Word of God that tells me that I should delight when people insult me. I'm telling you something today, people. If people have insulted you, if people don't approve of you, get ready because God is going to do something great. When you are insulted, He says, delight in it. Love it. Why? Because your weaknesses is shown and my glory is manifested in you. My greatness is manifested in you. Delight when someone says something terrible about you. <laughs> Come on. The kingdom of God is different to the kingdom of the world. Delight. Get excited if someone says a bad thing about you. I'm telling you, I've just seen this recently and thinking, wow, I'm getting excited because it reveals my weakness. It reveals my flesh, but I ain't measuring myself of the flesh. I ain't measuring myself of what you think about me. I'm measuring myself of what God thinks about me. I don't care what you think because your measuring stick is not the thing that's going to release me. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. I put here that grasping the deep truths of God's word does not give a person a big head. It gives them a broken and contrite heart. You get into the word of God and it tells you you're going to do something amazing. If someone speaks over your life and tells you God's going to do X, Y, Z and is releasing you and expanding you. If this is the truth, it shouldn't give you a big head. It should break you to a contrite heart to realize actually, do you know what? People do say things about me, and I am weak, 
and I am a failure. But in Jesus, I can do anything. Because he loves me. He loves you. If you read Psalm 71, the psalmist says this. I love it. He says, you who have shown me great. Psalm 71, verse 20. You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again. And bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You, verse 21, shall increase my greatness. And comfort me on every side. There's a word for someone here today. I'm about to revive you again. I'm about to revive you again. I'm about to increase your greatness. I'm about to revive where you are in your life. And bring you back to the right measuring system. Hallelujah. Quickly, I move on. Number two, God's measure increases our confidence. Some of us have lost confidence to move on. Some of us have lost confidence to do anything for God, to preach, to teach, to share and speak in front of anyone. Listen to me. God wants to give you confidence. Paul says, Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him, we we may approach God with freedom and confidence. The thing that will rob your confidence is when you start looking at your flesh, measuring yourself against your uh, inabilities and sin. Sin will rob you of your destiny. Now you say, well, Jesus forgives. His grace is sufficient. Sin will rob you of your destiny. You might make it into heaven and scrape in there. But listen, God doesn't want you scraping into heaven saying, I'm really sorry of all those things. He wants you in a position where you walk in and he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you measured yourself not against you or anyone else, but because of who I am. Some of us, we're sinning, doing things behind the scenes. And it's robbing you of where God wants to take you. Sin will rob you. The Bible says we need to repent of our sins. You don't hear this in many churches. Repent. Repent. Not just live your life doing what you like. You've got to live a holy life in Jesus Christ. Repent means to turn away and to change your actions. Proverbs 28, 13, the wisdom of Solomon. He says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I want to tell you today that if you conceal your sin, do you know what happens? You don't prosper. Prosper means progression. Prosper means where you are now, you're going to get more. If I said to you today, you're in a job and you're going to prosper, you know you're going to move forward and build and you can financially prosper. The Lord is saying to you today, if you conceal, you stay where you are. You cannot increase. God wants you to move forward. And all it takes is confession to him. And honesty with him. He won't hurt you. Why? Because he loves you. 
Some of us get into this routine of I'm just going to live my life the way it is. Just keep doing it. God's got it all covered. Now we need to repent. Sometimes, sometimes we, come, we call people forward to the front. Some of us need to get on our knees and say, God, I want to just get before you and repent. I want to change my actions. I want to change my life. Are you good with this? Is this okay? We finished in just a few moments. I promise. If we hide from sin, we limit. We're going to be in Christ. You see, I want to tell you what Jesus, his measuring yard is for your life on sin. In 1 John 2 verse 2, he says this, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Jesus did not just pay for every single thing you've done wrong. The worst thing in your mind today that is in your mind that you're saying, I can't believe I did that. And if anyone knew I would ever even do that, they would hate me. In fact, they would stone me for this. They wouldn't like me for this. Anything that you've done, Jesus says, I've not just forgiven you. I've forgiven the whole world. I have the power. My measure is my blood. And my blood was poured out for you. His measure for you of love is his blood. It's his blood. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Hallelujah. God's measuring stick is his son. When his son stretched out his arms upon that cross for you, his arms of love, dying for you, taking the nails in his hands, the crown of thorns in his head, that was his measure. Don't conceal your sin. Be honest. Be honest with your flesh. But live in the Spirit. Jesus wants people to repent. Why? Not because he likes you coming and he says, Ah, I've got another group of followers that are doing what I say. No, he knows repentance will lead to life. It will lead to life. Romans 8, Paul said the law of the Spirit sets you free. The law of sin and death, the Ten Commandments that stands against all of us, reveals our sin. That will kill you. Sin kills people. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. Paul says in Romans 8, 39, nothing can separate. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Love calls us to respond and repent. I put here the measure of our confidence in God will always be reflective of the measure of our repentance toward God. Did you see that? The measure of our confidence in God 
will always be reflective of the measure of our repentance towards God. If you want more confidence in God, then you better get in repentance before God. Because confidence is stolen through fear. And perfect love drives out fear. If you're fearful of God, it means that you're hiding sin. You're hiding from Him. But if we reveal everything, we prosper. We don't conceal it. We prosper before Him. We move forward. Perfect love drives out fear. I sung a song many years ago. If you're, if you're younger in here, you probably don't know it, but some of you will remember it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. From Lamentations, but the song says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. The steadfast, the love that pushes through the boundaries, that pushes through the sin, that pushes through those failures, that pushes through everything you've done wrong. The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies do not come to an end for you. Breaks through into your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know his steadfast love is just hitting this place today? Not his condemnation, but his love for for you. Jesus' love for you and me. Repentance is the key to your confidence. I'm going to ask the team if they want to join us. I just finish on this last thing. And God's measure, number three, increases our expectations. It increases our expectations. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. The New King James Version says, Exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Hallelujah. I don't know what your expectations are in your life, but hopefully God has spoke to you today. Hopefully God has challenged you in your being to say, I'm going to change the way I look at my life and I'm going to change. Because I want to live a life off the scale of what God wants to do. Some of us, we don't have expectations anymore. We lost expectation. I arrived on holiday just a few weeks ago. I went online and I booked a car to hire. And I chose my car and I went through options that the website presents to me. And I chose and I see this car and I thought, I'd like a little VW Golf. I can see myself driving a Golf. Ah, you know, I can just picture myself in this Golf. Now, when I looked on the website and it gave me the options... There were several companies, you know, and you compare sites that could offer me a golf. One was a lot cheaper than the other. How many of you know as a northerner, you go for the cheap option? I thought, that's the one for me. I save a lot of money. So I bought it. I see myself in that car. Why pay the other price? I arrive there. We arrive as a family. We get escorted to the car company and walk in and she says I've got your keys for your car sir and we sign the form and 
She says, it's just outside. The gentleman in a moment will take you. And my boys are looking for a VW Golf outside. And they're coming in saying, Dad, we can't see a Golf. And I'm saying, just trust, you know, hang on. I'm just filling the paperwork in. And I walk outside and stood outside and looked. And there was, there was no Golf. There was this little tiny car with scratches all down the side of it. Let me tell you, that moment, it was not immeasurably more than I dreamed of. It wasn't exceedingly above what I thought I was going to pay for. The boys were, where's the golf? And I just thought, you know what, I'm tired. I just want to get to the hotel. I said, I can't be bothered. And we got in the car and we went. Some of us sometimes in our life have asked God for things. And you're saying today, I believe that he was going to give me more. And I got something I didn't expect. So you can't believe for higher expectations, higher measures, because you asked for something and you got something else. You asked for God to do something, he gave you something else. Listen to me, don't base your life on what's happened, on what you think you got, so that's your litmus test for what God's going to do, because God is not basing things on material things. He's not basing it on that. You see, the truth is this. I realized something about that car company. When I look back on the website, it said, VW Golf, and in tiny little words, that barely readable, next to it in brackets, or similar. Or similar. I certainly got the or similar. I didn't get any golf. Marketing, eh? But I realized something when I looked at the other sites that charged double the price. For some reason, they didn't use the or similar. Why? Because you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Why do I say this? If you want the greatness of God in your life, you want the measures above and beyond what you can expect. If you want to move into the capacity and believe for the good things that God's got, do you know what you've got to do? Give Him more of your life. Give Him everything of your life. You get what you pay for. No, we don't buy the gospel. The gospel is free. But if you want the blessings above measure, you want to move into the destiny of what God is, give Him your life. It will cost you everything. Don't go for the cheaper option that says, I'm not going to pay as much and expect God to do everything for me. You see, Paul says this, God is able, and I've come to a finish, don't worry. God is able... To do immeasurably more, he says in Ephesians 3. But what does he say? According to. According to. In relation to. In reflection of. His power at work in you. What did I talk about last week? I said when you go into the desert of test. Jesus went into the desert of test. Filled with the Holy Spirit. But he comes out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. There's a difference. If you want to give everything in your life to Jesus, you're going to see His power at work in you in a greater measure. And the more you do that, He will give you immeasurably more than you can dream of. Some of us don't want to pay the bill, but get the blessing. Some of us don't want to pay the cost, 
but get everything that Jesus has an offer. And then we say, Jesus has not given me this. I need help. If we want to see his measures of expectation for our lives, then we need to increase our measure of submission to him. I finish with this, Psalm 37, verse 4. The psalmist says this. It's an amazing scripture that everyone loves. They'll always quote it to you. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There are desires of your heart here today that are above all measures. I'd love to see this. I'd love to see that. Listen to me. You've got to read the scripture in its entirety and everything it means for you. Because God does not give you the desires of your heart if you don't take delight in him. Do you know something? You and me are in control of our delight. We're in control of how much we delight. And what does delight mean? That he becomes first and foremost. That he is everything in my life. That he is everything. I'm going to give everything in my life. What it takes. What it costs. I'm going to pay the bill for the bigger car. I'm going to do this because why? If I pay the price. If I pay the cost. If I take delight in him. If I do this because I'm in control of that. He'll give me the desires of my heart. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.